Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business, and I think we've done it. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset that was originally used in the Gutenberg Press. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. Everything else was printed in regular type. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify Black Letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. I'm Tom Dunlap, and today on Black Letter, we're talking to Eric Robinson and Dragon Wang about intellectual property in China, how to protect, defend, and maximize your leverage in China using the Chinese courts and the U.S. courts and intellectual property. Quick introduction for our listeners. Eric Robinson is based in Beijing and Texas, of course, because that's the obvious place to be based. If you're in Beijing part of the year, you're in Texas the rest of the year. Eric was in-house IP counsel at Qualcomm. He was with a firm called McCool Smith. Now he's a partner at Dunlap, Bennett, and Ludwig in their Beijing and in their Texas office. And Dragon Wang is his partner in crime in the Beijing office and runs that office. Dragon is a Chinese patent attorney who handles both patent prosecution and patent litigation in China for Dunlap, Bennett, and Ludwig Asia office. Welcome, guys, to the show, and thanks for being here. Great to be here, Tom. Thank you for the introduction, Tom. Yeah. Today, we're going to talk about intellectual property in China. It's kind of a, a hot topic with Huawei's people coming to the US and getting arrested and the Chinese government taking some people into custody. And I'll try not to tread on a, any political toes here, but uh, you know, I'm going to kick the, kick the show off with a question that's on everybody's mind, very broad question. So what's the deal with intellectual property in China? <laughs> and if that's really broad, but but what what's the deal? I mean, does China can you have intellectual property and protect it in China if you're not Chinese? So I think the answer is yes. Yes, you can protect your intellectual property in China. So basically, in China, we have different laws to protect different intellectual properties. For example, we have patent law, we have trademark law, and we also have copyright law. Yeah, we have laws and also we have enforcement, uh, which means especially nowadays in recent years, more more uh, Chinese companies and also overseas companies, they, are, they are bring their international IP disputes in China to take good advantage of China as a venue to resolve their international IP disputes. So that's what's happening. Right okay. So, well, so question then, um, and maybe for Eric, uh, as a U.S. lawyer and a Chinese and an attorney who works in China with Dragon, if I'm a U.S. company, why would I register my IP in China? I mean, the kind of the common wisdom is, oh, you're just, and I'm not saying this is the case, not at all, but I hear this from companies, from intellectual property owners, from pharma companies, electronics companies, they're like, why would I register my patents in China, it's just going to make it easier for them to copy my products. And I kind of like to know from either of you, what's your response to that? How do you say, well, no, you, you should register in China and here's why? Or, or do you tell them you're right? You know, don't register in China. What, what's the real answer there? 
So, Tom, 10 years ago, I would have completely agreed that China did not effectively enforce intellectual property, whether it was trademarks or patents. Maybe even five years ago, I would agree with that to some degree. But now, at least regarding patent enforcement, which is what Dragon and I mainly focus on, although we do trademarks as well, China is actually the best place in the world, in my opinion, to enforce patents. Why? Why is China the best place now? How has it changed? Five years. Well, I mean, to be honest, China has a market to protect. And because of that, China, over the last, you know, really the last three years or so, has gotten very serious about patent protection. Some of the various things we can go into are, for one thing, unlike the United States, you can actually get an injunction in a patent case. Well, you can get an injunction in the United States. Are you saying that, I mean, you can, it's very challenging and hard, and you've got the four factors and all of that stuff, but is it easier to get an injunction in China? How does that work? In China, it's the exact opposite. In the US, it's nearly impossible. In China, it's the default. The default rule is you get an injunction, and the statistics run around 90% of the time that if you win a patent case in China, you're going to get an injunction. Okay. Well, so the other thing that in the US, it is hard to get injunctions, true, but a Chinese injunction is only stopping. I assume China's government's not reaching past its borders. It's only stopping acts in China. So how does a U.S. company get value from an injunction in China, from you know stopping, stopping something in China? China right now is the number one or number two sales market in pretty much any electronics. Like, for instance, for mobile phones, it's clearly the number one market. So if you sell in China, that's important. But even more important, China's still the number one manufacturer. So even if you're not selling something in China, but you are manufacturing something in China, you are exposed to China's patent laws. Unlike many other countries, Chinese patent law doesn't just prohibit sales in the country and imports into China, but it prohibits exports from China of infringing items. So you have to have a Chinese patent in order to do this in the first place. That's my understanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what you're saying is because there's so much manufacturing of U.S. products that come to the U.S., a way to stop sales in the U.S., sort of a roundabout way, it sounds like to me, is to sue them in China for an injunction to stop them from exporting the goods in the first place. Absolutely. And not only is it going to be faster to do that than to go through any means including the ITC, but it's going to be orders of magnitude cheaper than going through the U.S. So we know statistically, little research on this, and somebody who's been involved with this, I know it costs $1 to $2 million for the average patent infringement litigation in the U.S. What, what order of magnitude are we talking about less in China for an infringement case? I would argue that that's actually quite low because it usually takes you know, 250 to 500,000 just to get through the IPR or inter-parties re-exam process. Ah, right. Okay. So we're yeah. talking here. So, so let me rewind it back a little bit then, Eric, just for our listeners. So in the US, you've got not just the district court litigation, but you've typically got an IPR proceeding, something in front of the Patent Trial and Appeals Board that is a shot at invalidating the patent, right? So we're talking the whole bundle 
of of rights. Does China have something like that as well? Does it have a a PTAB? Does it have a patent trial and appeals board? And how does that play into Chinese enforcement? Dragon, you want to take that one? Uh, yes. Basically, China we we have for the people's court um, the the hearing for the infringement will be heard by the judge. But the judge is not entitled to make decision on the validity of the patent. For the validity of the patent, the question will be examined by an entity under the State Intellectual Property Office, which is called a Patent Reexamination Re Board. This Patent Reexamination Board, the PRB, they will hear the case uh, on validity. That's two different roles. Does that happen at the same time as the as you're proceeding in the the people's court? Is, is the same time you're in front of the judge? Yeah, that's usually happen uh, in the same time frame because once the the patent holder uh, initiates the infringement lawsuit against the infringer, then the infringer will uh, challenge the validity of the patent before the PRB. Usually, the, the PRB proceeding is uh, is shorter. It takes about four to six months to complete, uh, and uh, it's uh, a little bit longer for the proceeding before the people's court, which takes about six to 12 months. Well, so Dragon, let me ask you, in the US, the Patent Trial and Appeals Board, a case like that might stop the litigation in the regular uh, the district court. Does it stop that? Yeah. Do you add those things together? Does, does the PRB, the Patent Review Board, stop the litigation in the people's court? Uh, it depends on the types of the patent. So okay. in China, we have three different types of patents, which which are invention patent, utility model patent, and design design. For the case initiated based on the invention patent, the infringement case will now be stayed. Uh, will now be stayed by the PRB proceeding. But for the utility model and the design, the infringement proceeding may be delayed. May be stayed pending by the. Uh, invalidation petition filed by the infringer. Okay. So it depends largely on the types of the invention, and uh, and ultimately, actually, it depends on the on the likelihood of the of the validity uh, or invalidity of the patent depends on the priors. So, okay. So, Eric, did you want to add something there? Yeah, I just wanted to say that you know, for those of us in the U.S., it's a little confusing because. When most of us think of a patent, what we're really thinking about is a utility patent. And the analogous patent in China to a utility patent is called an invention patent. And that's what Dragon's saying, that's not likely to be stayed, which is a huge difference between the United States right now. Right now, basically, inventors, when they go to court, for the first year or so, the other side gets to throw darts at your patent and you can't even get into court. And only during that, you know, only after that process is over, can you go into court and to do the things you used to be able to do. So you're saying China is more a more efficient way, but how do you in China, so, so say I don't have a Chinese patent, uh, I've got a US patent and then somebody's making, this is a kind of a typical scenario, somebody's making, I'll call them knockoff products in China. What are my options? How do I stop that? That's the scenario. I'm a electronics manufacturer or a pharma manufacturer or a, a toy maker, whatever it is. And I'm making my stuff in China and shipping it to the US. I've got a US patent. 
and all of a sudden a competitor's products are popping up on Amazon or popping up at you know CES Consumer Electronics Show or something like that. I see a competitor's products and I know the expense of pursuing them in the US and it's a Chinese company and we all think, "Ah, oh, we're never going to recover." What do we do? How do we use China and it's it's newly found kind of aggressive intellectual property enforcement regime to help help that client. For one thing, you know, just like any other country, if you're going to use its intellectual property laws, you need to get intellectual property in that country. So you need to file trademark, you need to file patents in China. In your scenario where you haven't done that, you can certainly rely on US law and the International Trade Commission or ITC is set up to protect against infringing imports. The problem with that is that's quite expensive. What I always tell my clients is that even if you're not going to sell in China, somebody in China may try to copy your stuff. So you should be filing in China no matter what. Okay. Can you guys talk to me a little bit? What's the cost to file a patent in China? I mean, we know here in the US, for, for reference, and Eric, I I know you know this, but roughly it's somewhere between fifteen and fifty or a hundred thousand dollars to get a a solid technological patent on file, and it takes somewhere from you know eighteen months to five years, even with track one, eighteen months to get a patent registered, uh, issued. Sorry, get an issued patent. What's the, what's the timeline and the process look like in China for getting a patent? Dragon, why don't you take this one? I think the patent office in China is, is actually more efficient. Uh, and according to my uh, recollection of the, of the data, uh, it takes about 20 plus months for the, for the patent office to complete the substantive examination of the, of the invention patent, which means from filing to, to grant of the patent right, we are looking at uh, somewhere like 30 months or 38 months for the patent to be granted. Okay. In terms of the cost, I think it's cheaper than, than that of the United States, but it depends on a case-by-case basis, but it's cheaper, definitely. Okay. There's another question. Going back to the PRB, the People's the Patent Review Board. Sorry, I throw peoples in when I talk yeah. about China a lot. In the US, the Patent Trial and Appeals Board is sort of notorious for invalidating patents. And it's kind of like this, the poison pill. When you go into a patent litigation, somebody files an IPR at the Patent Trial and Appeals Board and they expect, well, there's at least a 50% chance or greater that the Patent Trial and Appeals Board, the PTAB is going to invalidate my patent. What does that look like in China? Is it similar? Is there a high chance that they're going to find a patent invalid? Actually, it's, it depends largely on the, still on the types of the, of the patents. So, so basically for the invention patent, the success rate for invalidating the, the invention patent is less than 30%. And, okay. Uh, but, for the, yeah, but for the utility model patent and the de- design patent, which do not go through the substantive examination proceedings, the ratio is higher, which is about 40 to 50%. Okay. So a utility patent, though, you're talking about a 30% invalidation rate, so 70%. Of the time, it's probably not going to be invalidated for a real patent. Yeah, yeah, right. Roughly. Right, okay. right. All right. Well, that's... Yeah, yeah, that makes sense because for the utility patent, which is invention patent in China, uh, that patent went through the substantive examination. So that's why 
wide, it should be more stable, right? <laughs> okay, gotcha. No, that makes sense. Let's take a short break. Thank you to our sponsor today, Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig. Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig solves complex business problems with smart solutions, acting as advocates and advisors to their clients with diverse professional backgrounds from MBAs to PhDs to bankers to military officers, real-world experience for real-world problems. Dunlap, Bennett & Ludwig doing better law. To find out more, visit www.dblawyers.com. I'm going to drop off target a little bit, something that I'm just kind of interested in because I get this all the time. And I don't know if this is up Eric's alley or Dragon's alley or either of you know, but I get emails all the time saying, your domain is being registered in China by such and such a company. You better contact us now to buy this domain from us for $2,000 or you won't have your domain in China. So, and I, I think it's domain trolling, trademark trolling, I think, I don't know if there's patent trolling in China, but wondering if you guys have any insight into that. I usually delete those emails right away. Why are they doing that? And who are they targeting? Are they just trying to, to get money from people? Um, what's going on with that? So I, I can take this a little bit. The difference between US trademark law and Chinese trademark law is important. And that is that in China, it's truly a first to file. If somebody comes in and registers your trademark before you do, there's no protection for you like there might be in the U.S., even if you were using it before that. The lesson is register your trademark early, <laughs> because if not, lots of things can happen. Now, in a situation where you've got a domain name or somebody's just knocking off your name, there are things you can do if you can truly show that this is something you've used for a long time, you, you obtained a mark, and somebody else tried to knock it off. But if you don't have a, a registered trademark, it's, it's more problematic. So again, you know, the lesson is you need to register your trademark or else you really don't have much of a case. So it sounds like, I mean, to me, from what Eric and Dragon, from what you're both saying, that conventional wisdom three or five years ago was don't bother with China or don't register in China. In fact, it may be detrimental. And the wisdom now is that you should register in China early and often uh, and use China's system to your benefit instead of letting it be a burden to you. I know that there are a number of companies in the US that are still kind of under this misimpression of China. How do you guys in your practice change that? So, and I'll just say for the listeners, Eric is the author of chinapatentblog.com. Is that right, Eric? Is that the- Yeah, that's it. Eric told me this, and I think this is neat. It is the only English language patent law blog in China that is allowed to be displayed in China that's not blocked by the government. So um, Eric's very careful author. And so Eric, I'm, I'm curious, what are you and Dragon doing to change the conventional wisdom at US companies? Because I think that's something that still a massive perception issue for China as a country and with respect to the Chinese government. And uh, how, do you, how do you change that? For one thing, Tom, you know, I've been there for five years. You know, I started off being in Beijing for Qualcomm, and then I've been at other law firms, and now I'm at a U.S. law firm, but my office is in Beijing. I'm putting my, <laughs> my career behind this. And anybody that knows me, hopefully, would think that you know that means something. 
the real answer is just talk the truth. People that, you know, love to hate on China, it's a soundbite. I mean, we live in a soundbite world. Even the U.S. government right now is, is complaining about unfair IP protection. I disagree with that vehemently. I think that there are problems that the U.S. has with China, but those are more sort of a, a surreptitious espionage sort of issue. Right, right. The chips, the chips and phones. Is yeah. That right. You know, the Chinese Patent Office and the courts do a better job right now than the U.S. does. So us complaining about China about that makes absolutely no sense. Well, let me ask you. So, so statistically, Eric, if I'm a U.S. company and I bring a case in China to get an injunction, am I, do I have a, a more or less chance of getting that than if I'm a Chinese company? Is a Chinese company going to get you know, a little hometown advantage or some benefit of the doubt there? Again, five or more years ago, my answer would be very different. But nowadays, and the statistics actually bear this out, that foreign companies do better in Chinese litigation than Chinese companies against other Chinese companies. In fact, one of the judges in the Beijing IP court um, a couple years ago pointed out that for one year in his court, patent foreign patent plaintiffs in his court were, I think, 65 and zero. Wow. So, and I think that says two things. Number one is foreign plaintiffs do pretty well, probably because they have good patents and they don't file bad cases. Maybe more importantly, that the judges in China, I mean, this guy was speaking publicly (laughs) and saying, you know, 65 and zero. So he's basically rolling out the welcome mat for foreign plaintiffs. Gotcha. And let's face it, you know, again, taking this to a little bit higher level. The reason for that is that China still needs companies and and intellectual input. It needs to continue to grow as a technological society. And the only way that that's going to happen is if foreign companies feel safe in entering the company and fully participating. And that includes making deals and sharing IP with Chinese companies. Just like anywhere, you need to be careful. But now, if somebody does something untoward, there actually is real recourse. And again, it's not perfect, but it's, in my mind, quicker, easier, and cheaper, um, and a lot more effective than the United States right now. Wait, so you're saying a court system isn't perfect? (laughs) I think we all strive for perfection in everything, including our U.S. court system. So it sounds like the kind of the big takeaways from today are file patents in China early and often, file trademarks early and often. And I think it's really interesting. Huge takeaway for me is that uh, use doesn't rule in China for trademarks. You have to file uh, your trademark first and then you own it. And that really leaves US companies open to attack by what I would call patent trolls. If somebody files your trademark in China before you, they can hold you hostage, it sounds like. I don't know if that happens, but it certainly sounds like it could. <laughs> it it happens every day. I mean, okay. that's that's a big problem. I, and, and I'm not going to say I'm shocked. <laughs> but There's still, I mean, when I say I'm a big fan of China, 
there's a lot of bad actors out there. <laughs> it's, you know, I, what I like to call the Wild East. They're going through what the United States went through over 100 years in under 10 years. You yeah. Know, from <laughs> that's, that's interesting, Eric. And, and Dragon, I think it was one of your partners there in Beijing that told me this uh, kind of story. But I asked, well, tell me, you know, how does the, the legal system work in China? And somebody said, well, imagine that you just started it 30 years ago. You literally said, hey, we don't have any lawyers. Raise your hand if you want to be a lawyer. And then that's kind of when the legal system kicked off. So we literally have a legal system that's younger than most of the practicing lawyers. I mean, I think that's the case. I don't know. You tell me. But I heard that anecdotally from, from one of your associates at a, a conference. Maybe I bring that up out of turn and I don't want to get anyone in trouble. But is that true? Or, and, and what is... How did the Chinese legal system, what is the state today of that system? Yeah, actually, in terms of the patent law, I think it's about 40, 40 years, 40 something years. like okay. that. So younger so, than so, me. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's, I totally agree with that. Basically, there's a law five years before and the practice five years before does not apply nowadays. Okay. And, uh, and the, the practice and law changed dramatically. In, in recent years. So the statistic, uh, maybe five years before or 10 years before, does not apply gotcha. right now. And the thing, yeah, and the things changed basically each day right now. And I'm looking at news posted out today about a Chinese company is suing another Chinese company claiming uh, 1 billion RMB before Nanjing People's Court. So that's another. Uh, uh, a history-breaking record in China. Maybe that's happened often in the US, but that's something something rare before. But nowadays, I mean, it happens more and more. The amount of often damage. Here. Yeah, so... so yeah. Okay. A, a billion RMB. Yeah, yeah. So, How much is a billion RMB? How many dollars is that? Uh, it's about pound uh, three billion US dollars. Gotcha. So about 300 million yeah, US yeah. dollars. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's a big case. I know that the damages aren't as big in China. Well, so let's wrap it up. I want to thank you guys so much for coming on and want you to come back and do a deeper dive on some litigation stuff and maybe patent prosecution stuff in the future. But for today, everybody should visit Eric's blog, chinapatentblog.com to get kind of insight about how to do IP in China. And then please obviously visit our blog or our website, rather, blackletterstudios.com and download us on your favorite, wherever you download podcasts from, Apple or uh, Google Play. Look forward to talking to you guys in the future. Thanks again. I think that's pretty much it for today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Dragon. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Eric. That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play so you never miss an episode. And to catch us on video, check out our website at blackletterstudios.com. <laughs>